up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts, and joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. How's it going, dude? Oh, top of the morning, laddie. Uh, glad to be celebrating this oh, uh, uh, <laughs> St. <this> Patrick's Day. <laughs> I, uh, don't worry, I'm Irish. It's not... I'm, I'm allowed Are to you? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> At least an eighth, <laughs> I, I think. I, I'm kind of like a white mutt. I, I, I forget. I'm like a big mix of Europe. Um, uh, You eat any Irish potatoes today? <laughs> I have not. I have not. Man, I'm, I'm probably going to go pick some up after this episode. Yeah, I mean, they're good. Um, I'm probably going to have potatoes tonight, but I don't think they'll be Irish potatoes. Uh, corned beef? Nope. I, we're actually getting Indian food tonight. <laughs> oh, okay. Well. <laughs> yeah, typically, oh, well. typically podcast recording night is takeout night because Hannah tends to work later and I don't mm. get done with the recording until after it's too late for me to, to care about cooking. So. Well, that's kind of a win-win. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> you get you get takeout and to record a podcast. There you have it. Well, this is episode 39. And today we are talking about our, our draft half cube. We're talking about updates we've made since the release of call time and a few other things. Just kind of a touch base on the cube since we haven't really talked about it much on the show since we said we were done with the first version of it back in December. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be touching on all the updates we've made to it recently and some that we're still continuing to make. And hopefully... We'll be uh, getting some more testing done with that shortly, which would be great. But before we get into all that, of course, I want to plug the Discord. It's the best place to go to keep up with the community here, the the traficionados, as we've come to call them, and uh, talk to us outside of the show. Also, just post your trophy decks and any questions you might have about any given format. We're definitely going to be having some some Strixhaven content there soon as well. So if you're interested in keeping up with all of that stuff, that's a great place to go. And of course, the show is brought to you by you, the listener, via our Patreon. If you're not a patron, you can go look into that at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. This is our main sponsor for the show at the moment, and it keeps us doing this week in and week out. So if you're interested in giving back, that's a great place to do it. That's the best way to do it. Um, we have five tiers there, starting at $2 a month, ending at $10 a month. And of course, you can give as much as you want. Uh, but we have a bunch of different features there that I think would would tickle your fancy. And if there's stuff that you don't see there that you think we should be doing, reach out to us. Let us know. It'd be great to get that kind of feedback as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll do whatever you want. Uh, this is... Well... <laughs> okay, well, uh, this is not an OnlyFans, but we'll, we'll do most things that you want. Um, just saying. Uh, how about we get into our crack a draft type thing? Uh, it's a, it's an interesting one this week. I don't know. I've I've kind of had enough of the snow. Uh, I'm all snowed out. Why don't we take a break and and look at something arguably more interesting? How about the draft chaff cube? All right. Yeah, we have a, a pack one pick one here from the draft chaff cube. I'm gonna walk through all the cards because a lot of these cards are cards that our listeners haven't seen. I imagine. Mm. So here we go. Uh, first up, we have Kazandu Blademaster. This is 1-1 one, one for a white... Uh, sorry, it's white-white for a 1-1 one, one human soldier ally. It has first strike, mm-hmm. vigilance, and whenever it ent- it or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, you may put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So, you know, a fine fine card for the allies deck. Uh, I'll just kind of go through these quickly, and then we can touch on whichever ones we feel are most, uh, like, the highest picks. Yeah. Next up is Bonesaw. This is a zero-mana artifact equipment. Uh, and it says equipped creature gets plus one plus oh it costs one to equip i'm just gonna have to pause you there you're supposed to say it like a bone saw <laughs> i got you i got you next up is zada's commando it's a uh 2-1 goblin archer ally for one and a red it has first strike and it also has cohort which says tap 
tap an allied, uh, tap an untapped ally you control. Zada's Commando deals one damage to target opponent. We have Weapons Trainer. This is red-white for a 3-2 human soldier ally. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus oh, as long as you control an equipment. Angel of Renewal. This is five and a white for a 4-4 angel ally fly with flying. And when it enters the battlefield, you gain one life for each creature you control. You see a, a trend here? Yeah, we had a <laughs> lot of allies and like red-white cards at the beginning of this pack. It's kind of wild. Yeah, I, I was thinking it'd be cool to do a sealed of, uh, of the draft shaft cube. Oh, that would be I awesome. guess it would kind of depend on, uh, I don't know, I guess it would pretty, as with any sealed, it would depend on the cards you open, but because some of our archetypes are defined like this, I mean, we got a sweet allies deck right here, just Blade Master, Bonesaw, Commando, Weapons Trainer, Angel, slap them all on a red-white deck, call it a day. What's your pick so far? Ooh, that's a good question. Of these... I think I actually like Angel of Renewal the best because it's the only card here so far that, well, I suppose the Weapons Trainer also isn't, but it's a multicolored card. The Angel of Renewal is the only card here so far that doesn't actually care about the ally sub-theme. Yeah. Like, it is an ally, but it's just a 4-4 flyer. It's a little overpriced at that. Like, a 6-mana 4-4 flyer is a bit overpriced, but gains you some life, and if you end up in green-white, like, kind of the go-wide token strategy in the cube, I think this will be a better better option. Any of these other ones you take, if you don't end up in the red-white archetype, you're going to be kind of disappointed. Yeah, agreed. A bone saw you could put in other decks, but this really does want to be in the red-white equipment deck. Angel can also go pretty well in black-white, which cares about gaining life. Yep. Uh, or blue-white, which cares about end-of-the-battlefield effects. Yeah, it's just the most flexible so far. Next up is Carrion Grub. This is three and a black for an O5 insect. It has uh, Carrion Grub gets plus X plus zero, where X is the greatest power among creature cards in your graveyard. And when it ETBs, mill four cards. Next we have yeah. Mass. Yeah, it's it's not like not like super enticing. Next is Massacre okay. Girl. This is three black black for a four four with menace. When it ETBs, each other creature gets minus one minus one until end of turn. Whenever a creature dies this turn, each creature other than her gets minus one minus one until end of turn. Uh, All right. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. I, I, we should mention Massacre Girl is clearly the pick here. This card is busted. It's awesome. Yeah. It is a first pick slam, and that's why we cut it from the cube yes <laughs> yes this is this i i should i guess i should have prefaced the version of the cube that we grabbed this pack from uh is slightly outdated so so uh we've replaced it with flaying tendrils which is Similar one effect. black black for minus two minus two to all creatures exile any creature that would die this way so i mean if we're gonna say that massacre girl is in this pack definitely taking the massacre girl right. and you know this cube is I mean, it's ours. We can do whatever we want with it. So maybe she'll come back someday if, if the power level gets, you know, more appropriate for her. But we found that because of the presence of Flicker cards uh, and Masked Girl just being an all-star on her own, as well as tokens and go-wide being, a you know, uh, another pretty viable strategy, this card was just busted. Yeah, agreed. Next up is Boon Seder. This is one green-green for a 4-2 enchantment creature Seder. It has Flash and it has Bestow three green-green. Enchanted Creature gets plus four, plus two in that case. So it's a fine card. I don't yep. actually know if this is in the final version of the cube either. I can't recall Believe if we kept that. did leave it in. Yeah, for now. Next is Deadweight. This is uh, black for an enchantment aura. Enchant Creature. Enchanted Creature gets minus two, minus two. This was also cut, and we replaced it with a card we'll talk about in a little bit. <laughs> no spoilers. Uh, next is Rescue from the Underworld. This is four and a black for an instant. It says, as an additional cost to cast Rescue from the Underworld, sack a creature. Choose target creature card in your graveyard, return that card, and the sacrifice card to the battlefield under your control at the beginning of your next upkeep. Ooh. Exile. Uh, I'm on this personally. I love Rescue from the Underworld. Yeah, there are a ton of reanimator effects in this set and a, a bunch of good cards to actually get in your graveyard, so I feel like this is a great starting point. Mm -hmm. This isn't an enters the battlefield cube, 
but there are a lot of really strong ETB effects, and that's intentional, especially in black, white, and blue. So I, I'm on rescue here. Yeah, I agree. Next is Brindle Shoat. This is one in a green for a boar. It's a 1-1. One, one. When it dies, you get a 3-3 three, three boar. Sure. Ooh. Sack Brindle Shoat to rescue from the underworld? Did somebody say combo? <laughs> Looks good to me. Next, we have Reassembling Skeleton. This is one in a black for a 1-1. One, one. You can pay two mana to return it from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Next is Skull Mulcher, one of my favorites in the cube. Uh, four and a green for a 3-3 three, three elemental. It has Devour 1. And for you know our listeners here, if you don't know what Devour is, as this enters the battlefield, you may sack any number of creatures. This creature enters the battlefield with that many plus one, plus one counters on it. And now you may have heard I said Devour 1. Uh, so in this case, it's going to be getting one... Uh, plus one plus one counter or you get you get a plus one plus one counter for each creature that you sack it's a weird mechanic because yeah. devour two will mean you get two counters for each of the creatures that that got devoured so it's a little but bit that's not even the best part of the card no there is more text the rest of the text says when skullmulcher enters the battlefield draw a card for each creature it devoured oh just disgusting this, love it this thing could be like a five mana six six draw three yeah like it's beautiful amazing next is demon's disciple two and a black for a human cleric it's a 3-1, and in one DTBs, each player sacks a creature or planeswalker. And we have Return from Extinction, one in a black for a sorcery that says choose one, return target creature card from your graveyard to your hand, or return two target creature cards that share a creature type from your graveyard to your hand. I'm between hmm. the Skull Mulcher and the Rescue. I think Skull Mulcher is just good enough that like I'm happy to have it, and it fits a lot more archetypes, I think, than the, the Rescue from the Underworld does. But hmm. Rescue is pretty powerful. Yeah, funnily enough, we see the makings of a hidden archetype here, which is black green graveyard. Uh, but this is specifically the sacrifice build of the deck, where uh, you're you're kind of leveraging things like reassembling skeleton and skull mulcher. Uh, skull mulcher being kind of the, the key linchpin to getting into that deck. I'm probably on rescue, or I guess we're counting out massacre girl, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, rescue yeah. or skull mulcher here. Yeah, it's kind of funny. There's not a single blue card in this pack, and there's only mm. one real red card. I guess Weapons Trainer counts as a red card as well, but yeah, yeah a little unfortunate I, in the way this pack broke, but I, I'm happy to take either the Rescue or the Skull Mulcher. For sure. All right, so with that out of the way, let's get to our Teferi Tibble. If you're new to the show, Teferi Tibble is the section of the show where Ben and I talk about something that's going on good and bad in our weeks this last week so uh, i'll kick us off this week i think i think ben you've, you've done it a couple times uh yeah the last go for couple it. weeks so for me my teferi is anybody who knows me knows that i am one of those people who goes like eight million percent into whatever hobby i'm into for like no. two or three uh, weeks and then i burn myself out and i switch to a different hobby and then i just cycle <laughs> through a bunch of hobbies um so i'm getting into a new one and mm-hmm. that is fish keeping i'm getting an aquarium Ooh. and like setting up a nice aquarium in the apartment and hopefully uh, we'll be able to keep some nice fish doing their thing and swimming and being alive and stuff. Yeah, hopefully they stay alive. <laughs> uh, what uh, what kind of fish are you looking into? So it's a freshwater tank, 20 gallons, and um, I wanted to have like some kind of centerpiece fish, with, meaning like one fish in there that catches your eye, but I obviously want more than one fish in a 20 gallon. So yeah. I went with the black veil angelfish, which is an angelfish that's almost entirely black. It has some like cool like trims on it. Uh, which I just think is beautiful. And then I'm going with uh, a small school, like five to six cardinal tetras. They're like the the tetras that are like very, very blue, but they have like a a bright red stripe through them. And then also uh, a small school, like three uh, Sturbeis Corivoras, which are a small catfish that just kind of swim along the bottom of the tank and eat up garbage off the bottom of the tank. So yeah, got to get some bottom feeders in there. Yep. Exactly. Uh, now, so that's that's the I, plan. Will, I will say my family has had fish tanks our whole life. So uh, we've had 
I honestly don't know how many fish I've had in my life. Over 100, easily. Uh, so I recommend getting a little snail too, actually. Uh, I found that they don't compete too much with the other bottom feeding fish. They just, uh, they but they add a nice pop of... Uh, sliminess <laughs> I yeah I, I actually have been considering getting a mystery snail as well um yeah it's also like an inside joke with my family we call my sister a snail so you know it just like <laughs> kind of would fit as well i'd have to name yeah. that snail abby um, absolutely my tibble on the other hand is is that i've been having and this is this has been an ongoing thing for the last couple of months basically since 2021 started but i've been having a lot of like focus issues like i just can't keep myself focused i'm constantly distracted by everything and nothing and it's really annoying it's making productivity like really difficult in and outside of work so hopefully i can get that under wraps wonder if that's a if that's a covid thing or sorry what you say like a... <laughs> 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 you got something better to do right now uh, i'm just just cracking a couple drafts no big deal <laughs> oh man this guy's double queuing over here pulling the og uh, lsv <laughs> yeah I, I don't know it's an interesting problem to have um I mean, it also apparently is a benefit given that you can like jump between hobbies and, and like go all in and, and get the most out of them uh, after like a few weeks. But I guess you, you've kind of you're both your Teferi and Tibble are like two sides of the same coin here, aren't they? A little bit, a little bit. I'm hoping the like a pet. Let me let me just be clear here. Getting a pet is not something that you can just be like, I'm going to do that for a little bit. And then like we're just <laughs> not going to have like that's yeah, not what I was yeah. trying to say about that. But um, yeah, typically my hobbies tend to be uh short-lived but like repeat themselves so like i'll come back to things every every couple weeks luckily the podcast hasn't been that way uh, we've been we've been <laughs> going strong yeah we made it this far i mean if we don't keep going after this then uh blame zach not me <laughs> how about you what's been up this week uh so i'm gonna start with my tibble this week uh given that it's on the top of my head the cube it's tough to edit so we've been doing some edits with this cube in fact we did some right before this recording and it's honestly challenging. I've had the, the cube tab, our, our massive Google sheet that we use. I've had the tab open for like a week. And it's just been sitting there like mocking me. Because adding stuff to the cube is easy. But cutting cards in the cube is like telling a child that you don't love them anymore. It's like, <laughs> like how do you, yeah, what are you supposed true. to do? Especially because we already went through like a big culling. Like we had too many cards to begin with. We had to cut a bunch yeah. of cards we wanted to keep to get to our 360 amount. And yeah, I, I agree. It's it's really tough to cut cards. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Stoneforge Acolyte. I still love you, but you're just so bad. <laughs> I, I have a feeling it's going to be a bit of like correction and overcorrection. Like we're, we're going to kind of oscillate until we eventually, I have a feeling we're going to reach like a core set of cards um, that'll kind of be our, our evergreens uh, and then probably have some that cycle in and out based on, I don't know, the, the cheap black removal spell from the new set. Anyway, my Teferi this week, uh, every once in a while, you just have one of those like really nice days, you know? Uh, and I would say today it was one of those. So first of all, uh, I got a haircut, which you can't really see uh, right now, it, but it does, it does look like slightly more uh, normal than, than it usually does. My hair is getting pretty long and I went just to get it like fixed up and they actually layered it properly for once. So uh, <laughs> nice. I, I look like a, like a person, not like someone who just has been hiding in, in an apartment for several months without cutting their hair, which is exactly what I've been doing. Um, so I, I got a haircut, uh, got, uh, I'm getting the vaccine this weekend. My students in class were talking for once. Uh, and it, that was weird. Um, I, I started running again today. So I picked that back up, got the awesome. stimulus check today from, uh, Mr. Biden. Thanks for that. Um, immediately spent 
money on on buying some whiskey to celebrate St. Patrick's Day uh, because how else do you <laughs> do, you do oh, that? That sounds good to me. Uh, yeah. So overall, it was just like a like a nice. Um, of course, there's also some p- political violence in the news, but you know <laughs> when isn't there? Yeah, that's par for the course in America, I suppose. But besides that. <laughs> right uh, things have been going pretty well well that's good to hear i'm glad you had a had a good day overall today that's awesome thanks next up our listener question of the week it's a little bit of a longer one so we're just going to do one today but rob dies at the end asks i originally came from another richard garfield card game that being keyforge where one of the competitive game modes is called adaptive in adaptive you play game one as usual but then you switch decks with your opponent for game two and if the same deck won twice the players then bid to use the winning deck game three using a handicap system. This really rewards mastering your own deck, having a strong knowledge of the card pool, and being able to adapt to different styles of play. Can you see any way this could be a viable play mode in MTG? And then it, he goes into pointing out that in Keyforge, all decks are unique. They're procedurally generated. So instead of buying packs, you just buy a whole deck and you're not allowed to make any modifications to that deck. So basically the gist of the question is, do you ever see Magic having a format where you and your opponent play with two, de- basically play with each other's decks and then in some sort of best of three game mode, and then you kind of bid each other, or I don't, I'm not sure how the bidding system works in Keyforge, but you bid to get that clear winner of a deck. If if the deck wins twice in a row, it's probably the better of the two decks. So what is the handicap system? What was that referring to? The deck is worse think, in the third game? or I think that has something to do with the bidding aspect of it. Hmm. Like either, either whoever doesn't get the deck that won twice maybe gets to go first or something. I, I'm not sure. Oh, oh okay, okay. This is really interesting. Uh, I, I do think this is something that Magic could see eventually. However, I think it would have to be very specific. So something that comes to mind here that makes this possible is the fact that the decks are unique and procedurally generated. The fact that this is not someone, I don't know, jamming a million mythics into a deck. Uh, for, for example, let, let me give an example of where this would not work in Magic. Uh, you're playing Vintage Cube. Your opponent uh, has... Uh, a you know your opponent is new to it and they're they're playing like mono green with like elves and stuff and, and they're just like tapping out it's just like standard mono green uh you're playing four color storm with like yogmoth's will and and like manamorphose and and like uh time twisters and and all sorts of stuff i don't think that would be an enjoyable a, a very enjoyable play experience for the person that's potentially new to the game to be handed this thing that they have no idea how to use you don't even know what a starting hand should look like like uh that's fair you, you might see like a brain freeze in your starting hand and be like oh good i want that in my starting hand and then lose the game because you essentially started on a mulligan so uh i think there there could be ways to get this to work for example uh two people playing with intro packs for example that's essentially just the same thing i think that'd be a lot of fun like i, I could see us zach us going to like a local game store picking up some intro packs and doing this exact thing and, and we've done we cool. have done something similar in the past yeah we, we did that with i can't even remember what the product was called at this point but one of their intro type Something. things. We gave ourselves like a, a point, uh, a monetary system where we were allowed to buy two of these packs and then buy up to so many dollars worth of singles to to bolster them. It was a lot of fun. I yeah, could see. Uh, I'm curious how this would go in limited. If you knew you were sitting down mm-hmm. at a at an, a quote unquote adaptive limited format, right? You you queue into a league that you know is this adaptive format. How does mm-hmm. that adjust your drafting? Because you know you're boosting your opponent's chances in one game. You know, because they're going to use your deck. 
I wonder if that affects it. It probably doesn't. You probably just draft the best you can anyway, but... Yeah, I mean, I don't think I would ever intentionally make my deck worse. I mean, you still want to try to win game one right. with it, right? right. And then uh, potentially bid to win the next games. Everyone, I think, would still be incentivized to make the best deck they could. I'm not sure this would affect drafting much at all. It would affect gameplay a little bit. Same reasons that you would... Uh, you know, for a best of three, you kind of want to see more cards from uh, your opponent's deck so that you knew what you're going to be playing with. I'm not sure if you're able to, like, look through the deck between these games. Yeah, it would be interesting. Like, like, rather than sideboarding, you just swap decks. I think yeah. I think it could be done. I could definitely see it as, like, a casual, like, F&M-type format, like you said, where you, mm -hmm. you grab some intro packs and you just, you know, you just jam. And um, it would. I think it would actually be an interesting way to introduce new players to um, a new set, maybe. Like maybe a core set, you could mm -hmm. do some sort of core set like uh, adaptive sealed, where yeah, players yeah. in a tournament build their decks, and then it just gives the new players exposure to more cards for the same price. Basically, I don't know. I, I could see it. I think it. I think it could work. Um, I'm just not sure. The whole procedurally generated aspect of this, I think, makes it really work. So I think if you were to do it in Magic, you have to do it in a limited format. Like, it has to be sealed of some kind, because then you get kind of that procedural generation aspect to it. It's not quite the same, but, you know, at mm. least you're getting a somewhat random deck. Yeah, there's a few other aspects of this that are interesting. If you're playing something like Standard, uh, and, I don't know, maybe you have, like, a budget red deck, and your opponent has, I don't know, some fully foiled out like Sultai Ultimatums deck or something like that. Um, they might not like want you to be yeah. holding and like using all their cards, especially if it's like a newer player. Or, I don't know. I I'm sure you, you all can imagine people that you've played against at game stores that you would not necessarily want to pass your deck that's got like lilies and, and foil bolts and stuff in it. Like, um, I I'm not letting people touch my mo like modern rock deck. That thing's my child. Well, that's the thing. thing actually, more than my PC. <laughs> when I first read this this question, my mind immediately went to Commander. Like it would be pretty mm. interesting to commanders are very complex format, so it would be pretty difficult to just be handed somebody's commander deck and be like, here, play this and pilot it well. But it would yeah, be pretty storm. interesting. But people put their heart and soul into their commander decks. I would not just want to hand off my commander deck to some stranger that I've never met and just yeah, be like, yeah, nor, here, uh, do this. Yeah, nor would I really feel comfortable taking somebody else's. That'd be like being told like, oh, go dress with someone else's wardrobe. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it'd be like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, this could be cool uh, because it does. Uh, I, I I could see just from like a strictly gameplay perspective, uh, ignoring complexity of gameplay. Like if you had I don't know storm versus ramp. Uh, if you wanted to just have um, players experience different like I guess better decks. <laughs> I guess so. If you're playing like a standard F and M, and uh, someone comes with like the stock red list that has like all the rares, and someone else comes with like a uh, a budget red list. Well then. Um, the budget red list player would get to play with the uh, the stock one and then maybe even get to play with it the second time. That, that's kind of cool. Like, I like that. It allows people that might not have the resources to play uh, all the, the expensive rares to kind of even the playing field a little bit. Uh, so that's like not looking at the complexity axis. That's just from the, uh, I guess, availability or, or accessibility access. Um, but, I you know. I also, I mean, you could also argue that it would it would work in a setting where, and I think this would work best online just for cost purposes, but it, it could work in, in a, an LGS of some kind. How how would you see this format working? Say you queue in online and you're given like, I don't know, the top 10 average, like the average builds of the top 10 standard decks and you just select one of them and you're given that mm -hmm. to work with for the, for the event and then you're paired up against people who didn't select that same deck. 
I wouldn't mind that. That'd be a, a cool little thing that they could do. Like, I, given that they've had little formats like this before, they started having ones where there's more pre-made decks. There was like a Kaldheim one a while ago that had like dogs and they're like Rin and Sari in it. it. It was it was fun. It was cute. I was like, all right, this I'll play this for some like sweet skins and wild cards and whatnot. Like, sure, why not? Cool. Anyway, well, thanks, thanks for uh, the question. Yeah, let, let's get into the main topic. I feel like we could have done a whole episode just about that. Yeah. Uh, that's some interesting philosophy of, of gameplay. Anyway, we are updating our cube this week. This is the Kaldheim cube update. So we're going to go over some of the best and hottest draft chaff from Kaldheim. Uh, we're going to go over the cards that we you know, decided are going to make it into the big leagues of draft chaff. Uh, plus why they kind of stuck out to us in the format. So if, if you're not interested in the cube at all, sure, that's fine. But you might also still be interested in you know what these cards stuck out to us as doing in Kaldheim that you know made them so uh, appealing as inclusions. Uh, if you want to learn more about the full cards that we added and cut, because this isn't all of them, you can check out our Cube Cobra page probably within the next few weeks or so. We'll be definitely be letting everyone know once this is all updated, because the moment it's all updated, I'm ordering it. <laughs> and I, I want to get my hands on this thing as soon as possible. And uh, we, we even have some bonus inclusions from Zendikar Rising we're going to toss in there too. So what's uh, what's our first new inclusion from Kaldheim? So first up, and let me preface this by saying we, we put these in in no particular order. It's not that this is the most impressive or the most important change or anything. But the first we have on our list here is Shepherd of the Cosmos. Shepherd, if you haven't been playing Kaldheim, you should go check it out. The art is beautiful. Everybody like one of the one of the things that we care about with this cube is making sure that it looks good. So the art was was definitely a consideration. It first yeah. fits perfectly with our minor reanimator theme that we have going in white and and some other colors like black. It replaces Revelark, which we thought was you know like a bit of a throwback, but it kind of does the same thing. Um, and it's been all right in in Kaldheim, right? Right. It's not a bomb, but it pulls its weight, and it's an inclusion that you're you're never upset to have a Shepherd of the Cosmos in your in your twenty three. Yeah, and. Uh just again, that art. It's 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 an angel, and I didn't even realize it was holding a tiny bird. This card is pretty flexible too. It lets you spend your mana efficiently on turn two. Then later in the game, works to bring back smaller creatures that might have been sacrificed or traded off or uh, something else. Who knows? This card just kind of has a uh, a lot of moving parts, and I think that's what we've been focusing on with this uh, this update to our cube. We made a lot of cuts of cards that are narrow, ones that only really go in one deck or do one thing. Um, because this card is a flyer, it has a cool ETB ability, it has some flexibility and when you can play it and cast it, uh, that that kind of stuck out to us as something that we want. And uh, Shepherd of the Cosmos, you're in. <laughs> Sorry, Revelark. Maybe next time. So next up we have Run Amok. This was the one of the red combat tricks from Kaldheim that personally I've been a fan of just in the format overall, but uh, essentially it's proven to be pretty effective in enabling a lot of the boast decks in Kaldheim as well as the other aggro decks that don't rely on boast. The ability to guarantee a safe attack to get that boast off is pretty key in those decks, and you can't really beat Runamuck's rate. Yeah, if you've got something like a Tuscary Firewalker, uh, and <laughs> you, you, I don't know, are looking at the uh, opponent's board, maybe they've got like a 2-2 or a 3-3, and you have Runamuck in hand, you can just send it. You know you're going to be able to uh, probably get a profitable deal off of it. It's going to be great, no matter what. So I found that this has been pretty effective for enabling attacks, and that's something our decks kind of want to do in the cube. Right, yeah. Overall, just a really solid rate spell you can't really beat it can be used for uh can't be used for blockers which which you know is something that we also needed we want to make sure that we can keep those uh keep those attackers getting through and uh pushing some of the more aggressive decks through some of the archetypes we have in this format are a bit uh well bottom heavy shall we say <laughs> yeah um, so we definitely wanted to be able to allow the attackers of like the more red white kind of weenies decks to get through some of those 
Next up, we've got the shining star from a, a pretty great set of equipment overall. It's Goldvein Pick. So the runes, I was actually considering because the runes are actually pretty sweet with Shepherd of the Cosmos too. I think maybe the red or white rune could maybe make it into the cube at some point, but nah, maybe for now we'll, we'll leave them out. It's actually surprisingly tight as for making these kinds of inclusions. So this card, however, uh, Goldvein Pick, this thing stand on, it, it just stands on its own. Uh, helps with fixing helps with ramp uh it mostly helps with consistency for for the white decks so uh actually there's a, a fantastic uh, little thread by Sirkovitz, uh who you should know if you were listening to this show for a bit uh popular uh posting in the uh, the draft chat discord and on twitter uh working for 17 lands doing some great work and one of his threads was about how you should really be viewing Goldvein pick as a white card um and we kind of took that same approach here, given that it would go in the white equipment deck. So I've been kind of viewing Goldvein pick in our equipment deck specifically. It's kind of like whenever you deal combat damage to a player, you get a planes. And yeah. then uh, after that, it just like stays uh, as, a, as a plus one, plus one. And it has no effect from that point onward. Because if you put this on a cheap enough flyer, it's essentially adding you one extra mana every turn. And even honestly, after the first few attacks of it, by the time you're on like turn four or five or six, how often do you spend all of your mana every turn anyway? By that point, you might be like wasting a little bit of mana here and there. So it's not, I mean, ideally you're not, right? But by that point, it's not even the biggest cost if you're not able to get in with it again. So it's pretty close to Sword of the Animist, which is a, a commander all-star, right? Yeah. So like Ben said, this is likely going to see play mostly in red-white, but because it's technically a, a colorless card, even though we consider it to be sort of a mono-white card, it can be used in any kind of aggressive deck that can that can be looking to splash something, right? So you could have something like Naya Stompy or Mardu Allies, which our cube has been trying to set up to allow for these three-color wedges across the board. So Pick is just going to help all of those uh, quite well. Next up, we've got Masked Vandal. Now, this one's a pretty cool inclusion, given that we already have a few shapeshifters in our deck. Uh, the, the Kaldheim shapeshifters are a little bit different. So this is because we do have some tribal themes in our deck. We do actually have an Allies sub-theme, we do have a spiders sub theme. We do have a big butts sub theme. In which case, this thing, this just does it all, right? It's also uh, artifact and enchantment hate, which our cube also has some pretty strong examples of. So, mass vandal just seemed like the perfect little inclusion. It just kind of ticks so many boxes that it's hard to justify not putting it in, right? Yeah, I don't really have anything else to add there. It's it's just <laughs> ticks, like Ben said, ticks all the boxes. Our next inclusion here is Weighdown, which we mentioned a little bit before. We had Deadweight in the cube. We replaced it with with Weighdown. Weighdown just seems to be a bit of a better card overall. You know, it's minus three, minus three instead of minus two, minus two for the same cost. You do have to sack a creature for it, but that is one or of the just, themes. Uh, from it's the graveyard. a graveyard, yeah. Uh, but that's one of our themes in the cube anyway, so it shouldn't be very difficult to get that online. Yeah, and uh, now we originally had some sort of Enchantress or Delirium theme, so we were thinking like, uh, well, are we going to use the black like minus minus aura effects, or are we going to use like uh, other types of removal spells? But now that we don't really have the Enchantress or Delirium themes, we kind of settled on, let's just get a good instant, uh, one that could potentially interact with the graveyard because we do have a lot of graveyard synergies, uh, and way down, again, just kind of works out well. Next up is Brine Barrow Intruder. We were looking for a space where we could add a couple of uh, a couple of blue one drops, and we needed some extra creatures in that area. So 
Yeah. Brine Bear Intruder, you can't really beat in, in terms of uh, cheap blue creatures. We also considered Zulaport Duelist, but Brine Bear is kind of a strictly better version of that card. So, yeah, yeah Brine Bear got the inclusion. Yeah, uh, it's not playable in Call Time, but maybe it's playable in our cube. Look, I- I'm willing to give it a chance. Uh, I'm kind of sad that it, it didn't see a lot of play, especially given how great Zulaport Duelist was uh, in Zendikar Rising. So, I think our format may be a bit more tailored to this. Um, I don't think our format is as, I don't know, what do you call the late game snow decks? Just junk pile of, they're of just value? Like, like super mid-range. They're not quite control, but they go a little. They take a little bit longer to get doing their thing than mid-range decks. Yeah, just super over the top. And Brian Bauer Intruder staring down like an activating path of the world tree just isn't really where you want to be. But potentially in, in, a, in our format where attacking and blocking are going to have a, a good deal to do with who wins the game, I think this card could actually be pretty good. So that's it for our call time inclusions. We just did a few here um, and we wanted to, we want overall our changes to be generally pretty small, right? We want to not be completely redesigning the cube every set, but we want to add a few things and keep it up to date with some of the things that are coming in. I had posted at one point uh, on Reddit in the LRCast subreddit about the cube when we originally finished the first version and we got a ton of feedback from people who were, you know, uh, simulating it online and we wanted to address some of those changes as well because uh, there were a couple of problems such as um, it being a little too linear and having some power disparity. So we wanted to make sure we cut some things that people were saying were probably not great for the health of the cube. And we brought some some things in that we think will help with that. We also have a few inclusions from Zendikar Rising. We'll just touch on this very briefly. We wanted to add the um, MDFCs in some capacity. And so we did that through some of the less impactful ones, I think, in the actual draft format of ZNR. Uh, but also still quite good. And some of these were, were just all-stars in the limited format there anyway. So we've got Kabira Takedown, Dwari Disruption, Malakir Rebirth, Kozil's Fury, and Tangled Florahedron. Yeah, I really like that these are emblematic of the color. So Kabira Takedown fits perfectly with our go-wide creature strategy. Dwari Disruption, blue is kind of our controlling color. Malakir Rebirth, there's a lot of things that black can do with the graveyard, and there's a lot of great ETB effects, which is actually a reason that we were scared to put this in the first time. Uh, I don't know, if you're trading off a Cloud Blazer and you Malakir Rebirth it, uh-oh, <laughs> value city, right? But um, Kazil's Fury kind of represents the red deck, uh, giving it a little bit more reach. We, we knew we wanted the fling effect, and this just seemed perfect. And finally, Tangled Florahedron is adding another mana dork for our green decks. Now, so we it. did have a few uh, miscellaneous inclusions uh, that we wanted to, to go into. The first one, I, I don't know. I couldn't help it. Yeah, I mean, Seasoned Hallowblade is one of our favorite cards since we started the podcast, and I think it fits quite well, actually, in, in the themes that we have for white. Uh, it just mm-hmm. is a, a great inclusion. Draft Chef Hero for M21, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see it join the ranks of the Draft Chef Cube. Not to mention there's a beautiful Japanese promo art version that I cannot wait to buy. Also, I will say I don't think it's going to be broken because there's a lot of creatures in our format with high toughness. A lot, a lot of like X3s, X4s, X5s. That, and uh, there's notably uh, fewer ways to buff the Hallowblade besides equipment. Equipment mm-hmm. are going to be pretty good to put on this thing, but there's not any kind of broken, like just dump a bunch of counters on it and uh, it just automatically beats whatever your opponent is doing. I think it's going to be fair here. Uh, the next uh, miscellaneous inclusion is one near and dear to your heart. Why don't you take this one? Yeah, so this is Filigree Familiar. This is 
Well, if you're in the Discord, you'll know this is my my <laughs> uh, profile picture. It's I love the art on the card. It does everything I want to be doing. It draws cards. It gains life. It's a little Sphinx's Rev in a bottle. And uh, I just absolutely love everything about this card. So I'm excited to see it there. We actually realized while we were looking this over for V2 of the cube that we had no artifact creatures. So, you know, we were like, oh, we got we to gotta fix that a little bit. We added a few, and that kind of goes into the next card here. Ben, why don't you take this one? Yeah, I've cast this card uh, quite often, although admittedly it was in a very small chunk of time. Renegade Freighter, uh, probably the card I was most disappointed to not see when they brought back Kaladesh uh, on Arena. This is uh, the vehicle that kind of owned its format. I mean, th- this thing just attacks like a train, <laughs> if, if, if you uh, if you will yeah. um i'm honestly a little bit concerned it's going to be too good it might i don't be. know for sure but um it is a common this would have been the draft shaft hero of uh of its format and i think it's worth giving a shot especially because we needed the colorless inclusion i think it fits really well in our in our red green deck and some of our bigger green decks that still want to have a slightly more aggressive slant perhaps black green could use this well too but i'm willing to give it a try before we cut it and replace it with like funeral longboat or something like that yeah for sure for sure so overall we included uh, you know a handful of cards we got the mdf season from from uh zendikar rising we brought in some of the more exciting cards that we at least to us uh that, that fit the cube we had already built from kaldheim shored up some of the weaknesses in the format and hopefully it's off to a better spot we still have a few more inclusions to make and a few more cuts to make as well to kind of even out some of the color distribution. And hopefully that will be done uh, within the next week or so. Uh, but definitely be on the lookout for the final build of the cube. We'll be posting about it in the Discord. And of course, uh, the link to the Cube Cobra will be in the episode description as well. But that does it for us. Do you have anything else you want to add here, Ben? Uh, only that this cube is going to be awesome and that I can't <laughs> wait to get my hands on it. That's all I got to say. Awesome, awesome. Well, if you're interested in talking more about the cube with us or just throwing in your two cents about what we should add or what we should take out, Jeff, definitely jump into the Discord and uh, you know hit us up about that. If you're interested in giving back to the show, you can do so via Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Otherwise, just share it around. Send it to your friends. Send it to your enemies. We we would love to get more listeners and uh, you know more traficionados, as it were. If you want to reach out to me directly, you can do so at Galfordian on Twitter. You can reach out to Ben at Betafish1 on Twitter and the podcast directly at DraftChaffPod on Twitter as well. You can email us as well at DraftChaffPod at gmail.com. Before we hit the sign off, though, and before we say goodbye, I want to drop a little something here for the listener. We are coming up on our one-year anniversary. We are. This is episode 39 we're doing right now. When we hit episode 52, that will be one year that we've been doing this as wow. we've released an episode every week. And we want to do something super special for that. We have some thoughts in mind. And I think it's going to be pretty sweet, but definitely if you have any suggestions for what we should be doing for our one year anniversary, jump into the discord and let us know. That's it for us. We'll talk to you next week. Later people. So we've made it one year. Well, about we're getting there. And what better way to celebrate than the government giving us money, right? <laughs> That's why they're doing that, right? Because the government saw our podcast and they're exactly. like, wow, they deserved it. So here's the question. What are you going to blow your stimulus on? <laughs> oh, so I'm a meticulous planner and I am also very into finances. So I plan almost every penny I spend. I have I have a feeling I, somehow I knew that you were going to have a plan for this. <laughs> well, you do know me pretty well. I yeah. uh, so some of it went to that aquarium that I talked about. That right. was uh, well, OK, so actually what I'm planning here, what I'm about to explain to you is a mix between stim- stimulus check and 
tax return money. But oh yeah, that too. That it, also it does kind in. of roll. It rolls into about the same thing, right? My bank account hasn't been this time. thick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So so the the aquarium was one part of it. Uh, the other part is I might be getting an I might just get an iPad because I don't have a laptop really anymore outside of my work computer and I do a lot of photography these days and it's hard to have a bunch of photos sitting on my camera when I'm traveling and not be able to edit them until I get home and with an iPad I'd be able to do that so I, I might I might get an iPad but Apple's supposed to be having an event this month so I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet because it sounds like mm. they're going to be either releasing a new one or upgrades or whatever I might be able to get it a little cheaper mm. yeah um, and then I also have my eyes on a new lens for my camera, but um, sweet, not positive I'm gonna get that yet. How about you? Well, first off, the cube. Gonna Naturally, yeah, that'll also cube. be on my list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and honestly, it's still probably gonna come out to be like sixty, seventy dollars. Well, which... after all the alt arts, it might hit a hundred. Okay, that's I'm gonna be foiling this oh, thing, of or at least like it, uh, the trouble is a lot of the newer cards, the foils are like Pringles. True. So we gotta be careful with that. Uh, I guess if we double sleeve it, that would kind of... It should help. But have you seen all the pictures of people's binders lately? Yeah, it's pretty bad. In the binder, they're like turning into chips. It's awful. I don't even I don't even know. Like what's the point of a collectible card game if the cards you collect are <laughs> like trash. Like, they look like that. Trash. Yeah. Um so I mean, all right. That's the a good cube, point. Uh, with uh with um some reservations on the number of foils I'm going to be getting. So that that'll be a good chunk of it. Uh car insurance, rent, the, the usuals, um all that good stuff. I'm considering just I've never bought the uh, the hundred dollar gem pack on Arena, <laughs> but I'm, just gonna I'm, consider- do it. I'm considering just doing that, and then I will literally never have to put money on Arena for the rest of my life because I'm I'm not always an infinite drafter, but by the end of a format, I always am. So even if I like, even if I dip down a bit, I always rise back up and I net positive. So I I it would reduce the fact that I sometimes don't have enough to start like because I usually hover pretty low. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like I, I never have had more than like ten thousand of, of uh, ten thousand gems or anything. So uh, th- that'd be a fun idea. I, I mean, I'm looking at this as like um, I don't know what's the opposite of a sunk cost fallacy, what, where I just have this thing and I'm treating it as if it's just a bonus. And it's I, an investment. I, I'm, okay, actually, that was something else <laughs> I was thinking. About. I was investing with this money, but what kind of lame that like? <laughs> well, uh, definitely hit me up if you are seriously considering that i know your brother's big into that kind of stuff too but uh i'd have yeah. some suggestions for you if you were yeah no interested. i actually am interested um I, I probably should have some like investments that i you know track besides just like savings and, and that type of thing but uh actually speaking of pets i'm i'm considering getting a cat it's hannah really, really wants a cat dude like she's yeah she's like on the verge of just going out and buying one and come me coming home actually i don't come home <laughs> i i am always home yeah um, she will she will come home with a cat, cat and be like oh well you. you know i it it just it just showed up i don't know see i was i was really thinking about it part of me wishes that I, I've, I've heard stories about like people that just find like a kitten well, on she's the, street. the same way she's like I, i'm just gonna look and eventually i'll find one yeah, I don't live in New Brunswick, New Jersey anymore. But for anyone that happens to New Brunswick, um, you can't get away from the street cats. There, there are so many of them. So I think I might just wander back through New Brunswick and just scoop uh, it up and take it. I would recommend if you a, do that, go right to a vet first. Oh yeah, gotta check uh, check little Johnny for fleas and such. <laughs> yeah, if you did get a cat, what would you name it? That I have thought over so many times. Uh, and I think the name I settle on would probably be Iro. Okay, but what if it's a female? Or you just wouldn't get a female? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, all right. Then 
Uh, Azula. <laughs> I, guess I'd have I mean, to. I respect yeah. it regardless. Actually, I'll, Azula I'll would fit it. quite well because their cats are very good at getting yeah. you to fall in love with them, and then they just knock your crap off your desk and, then, and yeah, just start slicing and dicing. I Maybe I could do good. a magic name. Um, I, I want it to be like respectable so that my family doesn't like question it too much and be like, "This guy's weird. What happened to our <laughs> son?" But I would want it to be it sound good. Maybe like an Elspeth. Good work. Could be a regal cat name. I don't know. I'll mull it over. But right. uh. Uh, I think I think Iro is my, my current one, or maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll just uh, buy a buy one tenth of a black lotus. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs>